Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. Hi, my name is Colin Waitzman. I'm going to be your host for this episode of Track World News. And before we get into our two topics of the day, make sure that you leave us a like, subscribe, follow the show. really helps us know that you're enjoying the content and uh, have loved the support so far. Uh, now let's let's get into it. So not a lot happened uh majorly on the track with when it comes to performances. Uh, there was a couple things that were, were interesting. There was a couple, I believe three world records were, were ratified over this past week. We had a, a couple okay performances um, going on throughout the, the collegiate world. I think Afing Mu or Mo uh, ran a college record or ran a school record in the 1500. So it was cool seeing her actually branch out from now the 400 to the 1500 that she now has that distance. Uh, we we saw a pretty pretty cool competition against Texas A&M and Texas for the men and women's team. It was a dual meet. Uh, the the Texas teams beat uh, Texas A&M for both of the both of the competitions, and it was interesting mainly because there's a few pictures going around on on Twitter, Instagram, whatever you might see of Texas A&M wearing their uh, wearing their bibs upside down and then doing like the the horns down um, kind of just the exact opposite of, of what Texas does um, because you know they're they have the they're the, the longhorns and they have the they do the longhorns thing where it's like the like the rock on logo pretty much that's kind of what it looks like and so it's just been a big a big thing in, in sports whenever you're going up against Texas and in any sport and now it's kind of reaching it to the track and field world of of doing the exact opposite of horns down. Uh, we, we saw it at Texas Relays, uh, Terrence Laird had his bib upside down, which which I loved, and it just came back to bite, bite some of the, the Texas A&M athletes because they both got smoked by Texas on Texas's track. So it was interesting to see all of this confidence going into the meet, and of course it's just friendly competition that, that I love and I think we need more of in track and field you know, more of these rivalries, but it was cool seeing how Texas just, just dominated on, on both, both ends of it. And, um, yeah, so that, that was, that was pretty much it. I mean, there was a few other, you know, good performances throughout the, this week, but this week, uh, being the second, I guess you could say like official week of outdoor track and field, uh, a lot of athletes, especially the top level athletes, uh, competed this previous weekend at, at, Texas relays or rally relays, so not a ton of, of people performing. We we did see the very first um, usage of Hayward Field for the official meet. I think it was called the Hayward Premier or the Hayward Prelim, whatever it was. It was it was the first uh, meet at the University of Oregon since renewing or redoing their track, and it it was cool. It was nice that it was set up so you could watch it on I think it was runner space something like that uh, for free so it was nice being able to, to see the very first meet Cole Hawker did well distance teams did well uh, University of Oregon is just a dominant program so not a lot of people being able to compete against them but didn't want to talk too much about all of those performances there, there's really two topics and I'm sure you see what the name of this episode is and we're going to get into that in a little bit but First, I want to I want to kind of give a shout out to this is a personal thing. Many of many of you listening may have no idea or may not be interested at all. But uh, my so I went to this high school, Strathaven High School. It's a 
medium-sized high school, public school outside of, of Philadelphia. And for how small and how tiny our, our school is, we've had a lot of success athletically, especially on the track and field side. And as of recently, actually just this past weekend, we Strathaven probably had the most dominant uh, performances that we've ever had uh, coming out of track and field. I mean, we've, we've had some very, very good alumni in, in the track and field world, a lot of Division I athletes, a lot of people that have posted in, in very impressive times. And, and these two performances just happened this past weekend. So we actually had on, I believe it was Saturday, it was Friday and Saturday, two alumni qualify for the Olympic trials. And this is all from the same high school, ran under the same track and field program. We had two girls qualifying for the Olympic trials, uh, which is insane. And so the first was Grace Forbes. This was, I believe, technically her sophomore year, but also like her freshman year because of, you know, COVID. And so in her very first outdoor race, so she has not ran a collegiate race on an outdoor track. So she hasn't ran a race since, what, 2019, 2018 on, on outdoor track and field, on outdoor track. She ran a, her a collegiate number one. So she's ranked number one in the country. She qualified for the Olympic trials and broke the school record all in the same race. <laughs> and so she ran, what, a 32-24 and is number one in the country as uh, coming out of this, our, our small school, Strathaven. And then we also, just the next day, had another alumni, Allie Wilson, who was one grade above me. So she had graduated, uh, what about two years ago, two three years ago. She ran a a two two minutes point eight uh, in the eight hundred. So pretty much almost two minutes flat in the eight hundred with a pretty pretty good PR coming on her birthday week too. So happy happy birthday to you! But just super awesome and, and proud moment for me seeing that from this small high school outside of Philadelphia, which is, you know, unassuming, it's not like we have crazy, you know, any crazy, you know, programs, facilities, whatever. It's a typical high school that you could see in any other, you know, areas in at least our county league. You'll probably find thousands of high schools like this, like ours all across the country. And to see that we have two athletes qualify for the Olympic trials on the same weekend, just incredible. And so shout out to you two ladies for, for doing that. I'm looking forward to seeing how you do at the Olympic trials um, and grace for you at the nationals. Cause she also qualified for, obviously she, she was in the indoor and the cross country nationals had two national championships within like four or five days. So that was very impressive. Congratulations to you two looking forward to seeing how you do in less than three months at the Olympic trials. It's coming up. So good luck to you guys there. Uh, next, so my, my main topic of today that I wanted to talk about, I was thinking with this downtime kind of in between track seasons where not a lot of people are competing yet, especially the top end talent that we're going to kind of start ramping up the regular season within the next week or two. Uh, so right now is a little bit down and I had a lot, little bit of time to think like, think back on my time as, as a collegiate athlete and as running track and field. And so I came up with a list of these 10 things that I learned from competing in collegiate sports. So I ran division one track and field at Mount St. Mary's university, not a power five school by any means, a fairly smaller division one experience, 
So it's not like we were, you know, we, we didn't have plane rides to every single one of our meets. We typically took, you know, buses and, and but we went to very, very prominent um, meets. We had great competition, awesome coaching staff. Um, but yeah, just give some backstory for those that may not know what my collegiate background is. I was a, a pole vaulter, um, competed there as well. So this list is not, it's not directly all track and field. A lot of it has obviously track and field, um, backgrounds. Cause that's what I'm, what this podcast is about. That's what I'm talking about, but it can also be applied to any sport that you're, you're competing in. Um, at the collegiate level, and even some of these things are will be important on, on the high school level. So these are 10 things that, that I learned from competing in collegiate track and sports. And these are in no particular order, uh, just, you know, 10 things that I, that I thought of. So number 10, uh, your high school grades matter. Uh, so that's something that I didn't really think about until it was almost too late. By the time I was a junior in like my second semester and I'm, and I'm starting to really look at schools that I want to compete in and, and where I want to go is when I realize, oh snap, like if I want to compete for this school or I want to compete for that school, I can't have what, like a 2.5, like, like, or I can't have like, you know, you have to be in the, the 3.0 at least. And it was kind of an eye opener, like, Dang, like I know that I'm smarter than what my grades say, but I didn't take academics seriously enough, especially my freshman and sophomore year, so that I could really choose where I wanted to go instead of kind of being like, well, now you got to really work your butt off in the classroom and hope that some schools will be, you know, look past the fact that your grades may not be as good as they should be. So it's something that I wish that I had taken into consideration. I mean, you can't outrun bad grades. There's a very, very, very select few amount of athletes where, especially in the track and field world, where you can just have bad grades and be able to go wherever you want. I mean, unless you're national champion in, in multiple events, it's not going to be the case. And even then, it's going to be pretty difficult. So make sure that you are keeping up with your grades and, and not letting them slack because it is going to, you want it to be an asset for you, not, what, a deficit? You don't want a deterrent, whatever it is. You want it to be an asset for you, your grades, and not something that goes against you. Uh, number nine, you want to make sure when you're in college that you have a good relationship with your college professors, especially the ones that are teaching your classes on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, if that's how your classes are scheduled. Because those are the ones that you're going to be asking and requesting a lot of time to have extensions or you're gonna be missing those classes. So you wanna make sure that you have a really good relationship with them. And, and that's something that I prided myself in over my collegiate years was the fact that I had a really good relationship with my professors, especially the ones on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I was answering questions. I was making sure that I wasn't late to class. And whenever I had something or my track schedule out and I'm like, hey, we have a meet that's coming up in a couple weeks and it's going to be, you know, it's a pretty big one. I know we have an exam on Monday. I know I'll be in class on Monday, but I won't be able to study as much as I'd like to since we have this track meet. Would you mind if I could take it uh, either before this track meet or could I take it on a Wednesday? And if you have a good relationship with your professors, like more times than not, they're going to let you do that. But 
if you don't have a good relationship with your professors and you're coming into class late, you're not answering questions or you're not, you know, you're just kind of, you know, sitting there or, you know, being, you know, not a, a good student, uh, it's not going to happen as much. Now, this is also dependent on how large your school is. We had a, I had a very small university where every, every class was about 25, 30 people. So teachers knew exactly who everyone was in the class. I didn't go to a, you know, a place where it was a lot of lecture halls. So it was, you know, it, it was, had that smaller atmosphere. If you go to a larger school, it's a little bit different. So I'm not sure exactly how that might apply, but Either way, you want to make sure you have a good relationship with your college professors because they're the ones that are going to be able to help you out when you need to get extra help or have things be extended. Uh, next, uh, I say that you want to pick a school that has a coach that you like, that has a good coach. Now, a lot of people, this is a slightly controversial one, will say, no, you need to go to a school that that you like that's you know you like the campus you like the facilities you like blah 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 you all it has your mate all that stuff i mean those things are important too like if you don't like the campus you don't like the facilities uh you're you're you don't think it has a really good program for what you want to major in yeah you shouldn't you shouldn't go there but you also really need to make sure that you like the coach because if it has all those things but you don't like the coach the coach is who you're going to spend the most time in your entire collegiate year with that person you're going to be because look look at if you break it down besides your teammates the your track and field coach is who you're spending majority of your day with because you're at their practice what like two three hours a day let's just say you know you're at you're at their practice three hours a day uh, five days a week for practice plus on the weekends when you have meets especially if you have a long weekend that's a Friday Saturday meet you're with them all day so you're you're with your coach like 16, 17 hours a week. <laughs> like, and so you're with them the majority of the time. There's no other person other than your teammates and maybe your roommate that you're going to be, you're going to be interacting with the most. So if you don't like them, you're going to have a really tough time. So find a coach that you get along with um, when you're having your, your calls with them or, or you're going on your visits or whatever. Make sure that you like the coach because if, if you don't like your coach, it's, it's just going to be a tough four years for you. So make sure that you find a coach that you like. Uh, next. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And also, people say don't pick a coach based off of where you like because they could leave. I mean, you could leave too. Like literally anything that you go there to have could change. So if you just go there and, be, and people are like, oh, if you don't like the coach, it doesn't matter. You know, no, it does matter. So go there. Make sure you like the coach. All right. Next one now. Um, next, uh, number seven. Uh, make sure that you save your lifting program that you have. So if you have your, your lifting program that is going to be like a, a couple sheets of paper or a binder or whatever it is, make sure that you save it because if you want to get into lifting or getting back into running or whatever it is after you're done your collegiate career, this binder of workouts that you have are especially tailored to you. You have the weights that you used as you were an athlete. And these are these programs that for many people would cost 70, 80, 100 bucks like to be have made for them. And so if you have it from your collegiate career, you can obviously make adjustments on the weights and, and the exercises based off of what it is you want to do after your collegiate career. But if you have it and you have it ready made for you, that's a free workout that can at least get you started on something. And then you can kind of adjust it as you go along. But I, I still have to this day my collegiate workouts with all of the 
weights that I use, the reps and all that stuff, because it was a really good launch pad for me when I was like, okay, I want to get back into lifting. I want to get back into doing all this stuff. Where do I start? I was like, oh, I still have the, the folder that has all my workouts. Let me go into looking at that and, and start there. And so 100% recommend that you keep that because you never know when it's going to become useful for you because uh, it's, it's going to be a lot harder to go and go back and ask your trainer, hey, do you have, can you set up a workout plan for me? It's going to be like, well, you graduated. I really don't feel like doing that. So keep it because it's going to be valuable later on, I promise you. Uh, number six, uh, make sure that you set realistic short-term goals for yourself. So I was someone that definitely got caught up in setting up long-term extravagant goals for myself. And that's great. You want to make sure that you have goals that are long-term and are, you know, will push your boundaries of, of success and things that will really test your potential. I think that's extremely important. But the downside of having those long-term extravagant goals are you can get lost throughout your journey with them. Because if on your day-to-day, -day, like let's say you're currently, let's just go with pole vault. And you're saying, hey, I want to qualify for nationals by the time I'm a senior. And you're, you're a freshman this year. And so let's say in order to qualify as a pole vaulter, you need to jump 17, let's just say 17.6 for on, uh, on average. And you currently, let's say you jump 14 feet. Uh, you're like, okay, so you need to, you know, go from 14 feet to 17.6 over the course of four years. Okay. Well, your first meet, you're, you're going to be like, all right, let's, let's get after it. Like let's PR. We're going to go, we're going to jump at least 15 feet today. It's, it's going to be great. It's going to be a PR. We're just going to PR every single meet. And that, then you might, you might only jump three inches below your PR, you might know height, you might do all these things. And it goes the same for, for any other workouts. Like, Hey, if you want to, you want to break four minutes in the mile and you're, and you're starting off at like a, a four thirty. it's, there's going to be a lot of times where you don't PR and you're, you're going to get injured or you're going to have all these ups and downs. And so if you don't have short term realistic goals for yourself, where, which are measurable and will add up to being these extravagant long-term goals, you're going to have a, a tough time because you'll eventually be like, well, that mark that I really want to get is four years away. It's so far away. I can't even comprehend being able to jump that or, or throw that or run that right now because I currently don't do it. So if you don't set up those short-term one week, one season, one meet, whatever it is, like those goals that you can see if you succeeded in them within the first two or three weeks, you're going to, it's, it's going to be tough. So set up short-term goals like, okay, I want to get better at this skill. Like I need to, I want to make sure my knees are higher um, every time I jump by the end of next week. Or, hey, I want to, I want to be able to bench press 315 pounds if you're a shop, whatever it is by the end of, you know, by the end of next, the end of this month, whatever it is, make sure you have specific Smart goals, specific, measurable, attainable, trackable goals, uh, especially ones that are short term. So you can add them up and eventually you'll reach your long term goals. So that it's going to be it's going to be very important. Make sure you have those. Number five, enjoy every moment of being a collegiate athlete that you have, because these four years while you're doing it seems like it's your entire life. 
because it is. It's your job, really, if you don't have a day-to-day -day job doing it. You're, that it's something that you do all, all day, every day. And so it seems like there's no end to it. You're a sophomore, you're a junior, you're like, man, I, I got it. I got this meet, this meet, this meet. And if you're, if you're running track, you have indoor and outdoor season. You, you, you have a, you're the only, especially if you're a distance runner and you're doing cross country, track and field, indoors and outdoors, it seems like your season never ends. And so it's easy to just be like, I, I just want this to be over. But don't, like, enjoy it because once you're done, you're done. Like, you're, for the most part. Now, some people, you'll continue and run track after college. Some people might go professional, whatever it might be. But for 99% of the student athletes, once your four years are done, that's it. Like, that's going to be the peak of your athleticism for many people, sadly. Now, so make sure that you enjoy it. Like, enjoy hanging out with your teammates. Enjoy going to the meets. Enjoy competing. Like, every once in a while, just stop for a minute and, like, look around and be like, dang, like, this is, this is cool. I'm having a good time competing right now. Like, this, I'm in a good place. I like my team. I like whatever. Like, every once in a while, just take a minute and, like, like take, all the, take it all in. The fact that you're, you're a student athlete and doing something that many people cannot do. It's something that I didn't do until my senior year. Like, I really didn't take in the fact that I'm like, dang, I, I reached uh, a, a, a period in my life right now that a lot of people, you know, haven't been, been able to do. And so it's something that I wish that I kind of appreciated earlier on in my career because now it's done. And so um, it's, it's like, dang, there, there's some things I wish that I had done going looking back at it but something i definitely um something i definitely learned then uh number four make sure that this kind of ties into the previous one make sure that you're leaving it all out on the track um just like i said this is your four years to really use up all the potential that you have and so if you're saving some saving some stuff on the track because you don't want to, you know, it's like, oh, it's going to hurt if I run an all out 400 or, hey, I, I don't I'm scared of not being able to, you know, compete because I, I don't want to fail. Well, I, I know this feeling all too well because there was I my biggest obstacle when I was an athlete was myself, was my mind. I didn't reach my potential because I was just too scared of being able to, to go up on bigger poles and I didn't want to fail. And I had all these issues where I knew that this is like by, Hey, if I, if I move up five pounds on a pole and, and I run faster and, and really attack this jump, I'm going to be a better athlete. I know that. And I just didn't do it because I was scared of what could have possibly happened, scared of possibly failing. And now I'm looking back, I'm like, dang, I wish I didn't do that. <laughs> I wish that I left it all out on the track because I know if I did, then I could have potentially reached newer heights that I never thought were possible. Uh, so you don't want to have that when you're done your career. You want to look after it's all said and done. You're, you're, once you've crossed the finish line for the last time, you've landed in the pit for the last time, you've, you've made your last throw, whatever it is that you're happy with where you are and that you left it all out on the track circle, runway, whatever it is. So make sure that you're, you're really going after it uh, because you're, you'll regret not doing it. And I definitely do in, in certain aspects of it. Um, number three, uh, if your coach gives you a chance to try another event or try something else, do it. <laughs> like it's, you might as well. Like if, if your coach, like for me, 
Um, there's some times where it's like, yeah, you want to do the 100, you want to, you know, run, you want to do the four by one, the four by four, you want to do long jump, you want to, you know, do javelin, whatever it is. Like if your coach offers you the opportunity to try out some new events, you might as well. I mean, cause like, like I said, you only get, you only get one more shot. This is your last shot at doing something. And if your coach is saying, Hey, you want to try this new thing? You might be good at it. You might enjoy it. Might as well. Like, uh, so that's something else. Uh, something I was definitely super appreciative of. Once again, had a great coach that allowed me to try out new things every once in a while. Now, obviously, I had my core responsibilities, but every once in a while, I was like, hey, if you want to try out this other cool event, it could help you in, in pole vault as well. Yeah, why not? Might as well. It was, it was, it was a pretty good time. So definitely would recommend. Um, yeah, if your coach says, hey, you want to try out this, this thing, you, you might be good at it, try it. It's going to be good. Uh, number two uh, this is also applicable for really anything. Uh, teamwork is everything. Uh, if you do not work as a team, it is going to be super difficult. And you'd think, oh, track and field, individual sport, not a lot of teamwork going on. Well, in the beginning of the season, especially when like, you know, you have circuit season, everyone's working hard to just get in shape and you're all, you know, you're in it together. That support system that you have is so, so, so important. Everyone pushing each other to, to run faster, uh, keeping everyone honest with what you're running. It's huge. So make sure that you're, you're doing that because the support that you're going to have for each of your teammates is going to really be the determination of, of who's going to be successful and who's not. And that's going to be able to translate to really everything else you do in your life because you, you don't live in a bubble where, oh, I can just work on myself. I don't have to worry about anyone else. For 99.9% .9 of people, you're going to work in a team. You're going to have a manager. You're going to have teammates. You're going to have coworkers, whatever it might be. And so you're going to have to be able to be um, you know, workable and, and have, you know, be a good teammate. And so you can learn, and I did learn that in track and field, that hey, I have all these teammates. Let me not just focus on my one event. Hey, when we have a track meet, let me be a great teammate, be a great teammate and support everyone else and while they're competing so that we can all you know, be excited and psyched up for, when we're, for, when, for what we're doing. Uh, we have a workout. This is going to be a really hard one. So, hey, maybe the first rep, I'm going to take it out. Second rep, uh, you know, of the, of the 200s, you can take it out. And so we're working as a team to reach our end goal because that's what impo what's important. If we all just try to do our own thing, I mean, you're just not going to reach what you actually want to do. You're not going to reach the pinnacle. It's just going to be a bad time. So definitely recommend uh, teamwork. Teamwork makes a dream work. It's going to be the most important thing for you. And then... Number one, the most, and so everything else is kind of in any random order. This one, I actually would say, is the number one thing that I learned from my time as a collegiate athlete, and that is that it does not matter where you come from at all. In, in track and field, collegiate athletes, whatever it might be, it doesn't matter if you come from an affluent family that had all the personal trainers, everything. It doesn't matter if you come from a, a lower class family that didn't have a lot of opportunities to be able to, you know, access facilities, teammates, maybe your, your school didn't have the right coaching staff. It doesn't matter at all. None of that matters because it's where you are today. So it doesn't, so whenever you're, you're, you're looking at, at a, the, a track roster, you're going to have people from all ends of the social spectrum, all ends of the racial spectrum, all ends of the, of the you know, interpersonal, everything. Everyone's coming from a different background. 
it does not matter where you come from because you can be a fantastic athlete from anywhere. I mean, I met some of my, my best friends in, in opportunities where, you know, if, if I didn't compete in track and field, we may have never met each other because we come from different places. But track and field brought us together and helped us show this common interest that we have and, and become, become really close friends. So that's the biggest thing that this shows that it does not matter like what school you went to. It does not matter what, you know, what your social circle was like, you know, what your home life is like. Do, none of that is important. It matters what you're doing right now. Uh, and you can, you can be excellent from any background. You can be terrible from any background as well. And, and of course, everything in between. And that's something that I love about this sport that you can really be anything you want to be irregardless of what you're, you know, where you came from. It's something that's important. And, and it goes into everything else in life. I mean, it does, like, you're going to see people that are super successful that went to schools you've never heard of, and you're going to see people that are, you know, <laughs> let's call it what it is. There's some people that are going to be, like, failures that went to extraordinarily prestigious colleges um, and, you know, vice versa. So it does not matter where you came from. It matters what you do with what you have access to today. And so that's going to be our episode for today. Um, what do you think? If you're a student athlete, what are some things that you're learning as, as a collegiate athlete? Or what are some things that you think are, are important to learn if you are going through collegiate sports or track and field as a whole? Um, thank you for listening to this episode of Track World News. really do appreciate it. Uh, if you have uh, any questions, you can submit them into us or, or topics that you'd like us to talk to. I think there is a message in the uh, link in the description where you can submit some topics or, or questions for us. Uh, make sure that you leave a like, subscribe, follow. really helps us know that you're enjoying the content, and we will see you in the next one. Have a good one, and peace.